gotta tell you straight up, I love our choir. <laughs> I really do. I, I, love, I love the range of what they sing. I love how they help us weave together these different elements of a worship service. I love how they nourish us and one another with this song, with this music, with this ministry. Thank you. Thank you. And I love this piece, The Unclouded Day. I don't know how to land with you. you know, amen? Like, yeah, right? And I'm, I love it. I really love it. And I'm a little bit perplexed by the love I have for this piece of music uh, because it's not our theology. It's not my Unitarian universe, Universalist theology. And let me, let me just take a minute and break down um, that word theology so we can all be on the same page here together this morning. Uh, so theology, if you break it apart, you have theo, which means God, and then ology, which is like the study of. So if biology is a study of life, theology is essentially the study of God, the study of ultimate things, the, the meaning-making we do in the world that kind of undergirds our religious views and orientation in the world. So theology tries to make sense of evil, tries to make sense of good, tries to make sense of what is it that saves us, what makes us whole. Theology is meaning-making work, and as weird as it might seem, you don't have to believe in God, even though theology means the study of God. You don't have to believe in God to do theology, right? We have some neighbors at First Unitarian Society just down the road where God's not a part of that humanist congregation, but they're doing deep theological work, figuring out how they move and live in the world and what meaning they can uh, derive from that about what is holy, what saves them, what they may not use holy or saves those, that, that language, but they're doing theological work. So back to unclouded day. The theology of this song, as it speaks of a home and a world beyond this one, where the tree of life and eternal bloom sheds its fragrance through the unclouded day, well, that's not quite our Unitarian Universalist theology. And still, even with its theology of an afterlife, I love this song. I found myself listening to it again and again, over and over on YouTube. Randy shared the link with us earlier, and I just listened to it again and again. I also listened to the uh, We Are Rising and The Sea Is Rising and So Are We. I listened to both those pieces again and again. And when I listened to Unclouded Day, I kept thinking about the storm clouds around us, the storm clouds of racism and violence and homelessness, these storm clouds swirling around us and thinking about the beloveds in this congregation who have died, thinking about Dan Bishop and Pam Vinson and Carol Anderson and Tom Atchison and Eric Brown and so many others, thinking I would love to see them again in this unclouded day. So even though Unitarian Universalists often have a very this-world theology, a theology that suggests that heaven and hell are conditions of the spirit, conditions of one's state of mind, that suggest that heaven and hell are maybe real places in this world, that there are conditions that are heaven-like in this world and conditions that are hell-like in this world, and that heaven is when you are known and loved and connected to others and you have what you need to flourish in this world. Hell is isolation and discrimination and loneliness and violence and war and separation. So even though many of us don't believe in a heaven where God as king, that was the last verse. I don't know if you could hear that last verse, but Jen and I sort of looked at each other and were like, oh, God as king reigning in heaven. Um, that's not a theology that many Unitarian Universalists would ascribe to, but there's something about that song that deeply, deeply appeals to me, which creates this perplexing dilemma. 
all week long, I've been singing this song that points to a religious worldview that I don't really believe in and enjoying it. I've been singing it and listening to it and enjoying it in this thing that I don't really believe in. Because the vision of a peaceful, unclouded, harmonious day when you're surrounded by loved ones and there's harmony and a sense of just catching pure delight in that space. Well, that catches my soul. And so what I do, the theological move that I make is I grab that joyful vision, that vision of peace and fellowship, and I declare this joy, this unclouded day is possible here and now. It's not just reserved for an afterlife. And in doing that move, in making that move, sort of resolving the cognitive dissonance I hear when I listen to that song, I am joining many other Unitarian Universalists who have gone before me, who believed, guided by the wisdom of those who had gone before them, that it is possible with humility and courage and compassion to create a little bit more joy, a little bit more heaven, a little bit more flourishing and belonging right here on earth. It's not something only possible for some other life. For Unitarian Universalists, this is one of the primary ways we interpret the teachings of Jesus. In our view, Jesus didn't come to say, I'm the only way, suckers. Are you with me or are you going to hell? <laughs> That's not what Jesus' life in ministry was about. I like to think about him saying that too. <laughs> Just showing up in these little like seaside communities. Are you with me, suckers? Are you going to hell? Actually, Jesus didn't really talk about hell at all in his teachings. Rather, he came with, this, with these teachings and this practical way of being in the world he was inviting people into that was meant to inspire action, to change the material conditions and dominant paradigms on earth so that more people, particularly those who were not in power, those who were hungry, those who were in prison, prison those who were living with mental illness, those without a home, those without a voice, those folks could flourish and thrive, could experience the kingdom of heaven, or said another way, the kingdom of heaven. They could experience new life within this life. That's how I interpret, and many Unitarian Universalists interpret the teachings of Jesus, that the kingdom of heaven is not some otherworldly kingdom, but an invitation to change the way we're in relationship with one another right here and right now. The kingdom of heaven has been talked about in many different ways. Many different terms have been used to describe it. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. talked about it in terms of the beloved community. This phrase he borrowed from Josiah Royce, a 19th century American religious philosopher who talked about the beloved community as a spiritual or a divine community capable of achieving the highest good as well as the common good. The beloved community was a spiritual or divine community capable of achieving the highest good and the common good. So I imagine that Jesus and Dr. King and many others, including a number of Unitarian Universalists and myself, we hear a song like Unclouded Day, and we seek to unlock the promise and joy of that song from some distant future, from some otherworldly place, and to pull it into this life, into this moment, reminding ourselves and one another that our sacred task is to try to create this heavenly reality here on earth. So I hear this song as a call to build beloved community right here, right now. 
That's our sacred task as a faith community, to lessen suffering, to upend systems of domination and oppression, to know and love and partner with our neighbors, our Muslim neighbors, our Christian neighbors, our Jewish and Buddhist and Hindu neighbors, our undocumented and documented neighbors, our transgender neighbors, all of our neighbors, so that together we can thrive and bring forth the gifts we have to bless the world. As a faith community, as Unitarian Universalists, we're not putting our eggs in some afterlife basket, but rather we're staking our claim to this life, to the joy and laughter and heartbreak and grief and blessings of this world. We seek to create moments, as the poet says, where together we live as if death were nowhere in the background. From joy to joy to joy, from wing to wing, from blossom to blossom, to impossible blossom, to sweet, impossible blossom. This is what we're in the world to do. Can I get an amen? amen. This is what we're in the world to do, friends. Can I get a hallelujah? Man, for a bunch of people who have an ambivalent relationship with Christianity, we are really riding the call and response language this morning. I love it. I love it. Come on now. Can I get another amen? Amen. We are here to give and receive and grow the beloved community. That's what we're about. And so, when I start to talk in just a few minutes, as I'm going to do about our annual giving campaign, remember, praise the Lord. Can I get another amen? Hallelujah. Annual giving, amen. Remember that that is just a tool to help us create the beloved community. Annual giving is a tool to help us create the beloved community. Now, over the years, I preached a number of annual giving sermons. I did some archaeological work this year. I went back through the last eight years of annual giving sermons I preached. Some were better than others. Some were funnier than others. Some were more effective than others. I don't know. You tell me. How's the annual giving sermon been year after year? It's been all right, right? You're like, oh, he's talking about money. But you're still here. It's awesome. It's awesome. One of the things I noticed is that there were some patterns that I repeated in the annual giving um, sermon and some ways we've run the campaign in the past that have sort of talked about things that I think ultimately are sort of abstract. Five, give 5% five of your income, increase your giving by $50 a month or whatever it is. I don't know how well that landed. So this year, we're really running a, a very different campaign. Let me just tell you a little bit about this. We're not asking you to give 5% of your income, though some of you may do that. We're not asking you to increase your giving by $50 or $100 a month, though some of you may do that. What we're asking for, what matters to me more than anything else, is that we have 100% participation in this campaign. Because we are in a moment right now where our ministry, the ministry of saving lives, not for some other lifetime, but for this world right now, that ministry has never been more important. And we need all of us every single one of us to be all in, to be all in in this ministry of sanctuary and resistance, to be all in in how we care and comfort and walk with one another and roll with one another through the challenges of life, to be all in as we educate and equip our young children with a comprehensive body positive sexual education curriculum. We need each and every one of you to be all in. 
100% participation. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. So we are asking all of you, whether you're a member or not, whether you sing in the choir or not, or you're in a circle or a circle supper or religious education or whatever it is, if you are in orbit with this church, we need you. We need your participation. And if you're visiting today, a warm welcome to you. <laughs> we are glad you're here. We want you to walk with us and roll with us and learn if this is the place you want to be. And if you want to help create the beloved community, then we invite you to be all in as well. But for now, just be with us this morning. We've been waiting for you, too. If this is your first Sunday here, we've been waiting for you because you have gifts and blessings to share with us. More than 80% of our annual budget comes from annual gifts. And if we are going to burn brightly as a church of love and justice in this community, we need each other to be all in. Said another way, I'm asking, we're asking for equal generosity, not equal gifts. As you heard in that story for all ages, a generous heart is unstoppable. It is a gift to the world. It is a rainbow of colors in a dull and drab day. That's what we're asking for, equal generosity, not equal gifts. We know some of you, I know some of you have just lost a job or that you're in the middle of a career change or you're going back to school. Some of you are living paycheck to paycheck. Some of you are experiencing housing insecurity. Some of you are on fixed incomes. We know that. We know that some of you have inherited money. Some of you own stock and stock options. Some of you are doing well and have done quite well professionally in the corporate world, in the medical world, in the banking world. Some of you have great resources. And we're asking everyone to be all in with equal generosity, not equal gifts. So if you're unemployed or just out of college with student debt, giving $50 a month or $25 a month, that might be out of the world generous for you. Or you might say, I can't make a gift right now. Talk to me in a couple months. If you're doing well in your career, just got a promotion or a raise, your stock portfolio is going gangbusters. I know there's a little drop in the last couple weeks, but still, going gangbusters. <laughs> it's not that big of a drop. Or your household income is like $200,000 or more a year. Deep generosity might look like you giving $1,000 a month to this church. My wife and I give the church $50, excuse me, $500 a month or $6,000 a year. And I share that just to name what our generosity looks like in this moment in our lives. It's changed over the years. I have no doubt it'll change again. It's what we give because we receive so much from this community. We're asking for equal generosity, not equal gifts. So I want to just really quickly in the pew in front of you, the pew pockets in front of you, there's a little... Um, card that has the different levels of annual giving. And if you're in a front row, maybe reach behind you and take your neighbor's pew card. I just want to look at this with you all for just a second. Do you see it? It's like a little half page thing. You can see the wide variety of generous gifts that support our ministry. All of them matter. All of them support what we're about here. And the annual giving team and I wanted you to see this card so that you have a sense of the giving landscape in the church. You understand what it takes to make this ministry happen. We wanted you to understand where you might move in your own giving journey, if that's a journey you're on. Again, we're asking for all in with generosity, not for equal gifts. We don't expect everyone to give you know, $500 a month or whatever it is. 
And this year, for the first time, when you set up your giving, you can opt to make it ongoing, month after month, year after year, and it will continue until you cancel or change it. We haven't done this in the past. The funny thing is, this is how the rest of the world works. If you have a Netflix subscription or you're like a cell phone plan, Netflix doesn't call you in June, be like, would you like to keep paying for Netflix in this upcoming year? No, they just charge you. They just pay automatically. And so this year, that's how we're setting up giving so that once you set your giving, you just know it continues until you change it. It's a six and a half week campaign as we put together the budget for 1819. And so I invite you to pick up your packet outside the sanctuary today or next Sunday or the Sunday after that and then determine what your annual giving will be. Get that set up and going so you don't have to think about it anymore. And I wanna throw down a friendly challenge to you all this morning. And that is this. It's a way for us to be more accountable to one another. It's a way for us to be more successful in our annual giving campaign. And that is, will you help me and the church have a successful, short annual giving campaign by promising to talk to two other people you know in the church and inviting them? You're not asking for money. You're not asking them to give a percentage. You're just asking them to be in. You're just saying, will you join me? Will you be in? They figure out what they're going to give, but in that way, we build these deep circles of accountability. Are you in? Are you in? Will you find two people you know and just check in with them over the next month and a half? Be like, are you in? I'm in. Are you in? I'm in. Will you do that? Yes. Thank you. This is awesome. So if you know people in Habitat, your Habitat building team or the choir or the circle, you can just say, hey, will you do your part to help build the beloved community? These gifts... These gifts help this church be an instrument of justice. These gifts help us live out our values as we pay our adult staff members, all of them, a living wage of at least $15 an hour. Your gifts, yes, we can celebrate that. We can even amen that if you want to. Amen, that was a good move. These gifts help us offer free religious education for all families and all children. There's no suggested donations or requirement to participate. You just participate. Your gifts help our racial justice commitment live and grow in our worship, our programming, our vendor policy, and so many other ways. Your gifts help us move beyond good intentions to create patterns and practices that align with our values of equity and inclusion and justice. Your gifts help make this church a base camp a place to get spiritual supplies and training, a place to make plans, to get fed, to encourage one another, to sing together, and then to get going as we live our faith out in the world, as we create the beloved community. This is what we are here to do. And friends, though the news is often troubling and the pain and suffering of this world is very real, this is the one world we know for sure we have. We're not guaranteed another world after this one where everything is better. This is the one world we've got, beautiful and sometimes broken. And together, together, all of us, all in, we can help love the hell out of our little part of this world. We can build heaven on earth, the kingdom of equals, that place where all that divides the human family falls away and we see each other and one another as the beloveds we are. We can do that together. As we sang earlier, this is where we are called to be, this earth, 
this place, this moment, right now, this is where we are called to be, right here, where we can reach out to one another and say, welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home to this piece of heaven we're making together. Welcome home. Amen.